Hi, I'm Tom, and thank you for joining me on my one piece of exercise that I'm allowed today. In case uh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, I am, uh, have been a member of St. Dee's since January last year and attend the five o'clock service. I have the joy of helping to lead a life group here. And in the week, I spend my days working for a company called Serco. We deliver essential public services. And at the moment, I'm working in the St. Bart's Health Trust in London. I have been really inspired by some of our staff over the last couple of weeks. We live in bizarre times and their desire to keep coming into work and keep helping the NHS has been just so encouraging. I think it is times like these when some of the best parts of being made in God's image emerge, some of the best traits of humanity. Good Sam, the NHS's volunteer service, closed after less than a week of being open after more than three quarters of a million people signed up to help deliver food, to call people who are vulnerable, and to help out in any way that they can. We've all been affected by this in some way already. Work has been uncertain. Kids have been at home for a lot longer than usual and energy levels are probably running quite high. Weddings, mine included, have had to be postponed till uh, a date that we're not certain will work, even today. But we have a God who, as we sing, is constant in the trial and the change. That is a really hard truth to understand <clears throat> exactly how it applies uh, day to day sometimes, but it is a truth nonetheless. This term as a church, we have been really focused on the book of John, one of the accounts of Jesus's life. And each Sunday we have looked at one of the I am sayings that Jesus said about himself. They're sayings that describe who Jesus is and how we can relate to him. The book of John was written between 85 and 90 AD on the island of Patmos. And we're gonna continue in that book today. As Lent draws to a close, we turn our attention towards Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, found in John chapter 12. The passage is a pivotal moment in Jesus's story and is a turning point for John's narrative of his life. Before this we have stories of Jesus's miracles and his ministry, his public teaching, and John focuses in on seven signs that Jesus performed, culminating with the resurrection of Lazarus, Jesus's friend, at a place called Bethany. After Jesus had entered Jerusalem, after the events of the passage that we will read in a moment, John focuses on Jesus's time with his disciples in private, and then on his death and resurrection, which we look towards in Easter next week. So if you've got a Bible to hand or a smartphone, or just open another tab on your computer, we're looking at John chapter 12, verses 12 to nine. As we enter the text, Jesus has just raised a close friend from the dead, been anointed with perfume as both a pronouncement of his kingship and a preparation for his sacrifice. And then he begins his journey. So reading from verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. 
At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. A crowd was already with Jesus, and another crowd met him as he approached the city. This was a huge number of people. A Roman historian, Josephus, writing about a Passover that happened sometime in the early AD 60s, said that there were over 2.7 million people in Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, even if this is a slightly inflated figure, which we think it might be, there was still a vast crowd thronging the gates and thronging the streets. When I read this passage, which is probably a familiar one to a lot of us, I often overlook the significance of the palm branches. I think, I tend to think that they were just what people had to hand. Just the, the convenient plant to pick up and wave, rather than something man-made. But to the people waving them, they were not just celebratory, not just convenient. They had a fiercely nationalistic symbolism. About 30 years after these events, when the Jewish people rebelled against Roman rules in the Jewish wars, they coined coins to uh, show a symbol of their independence. And these coins had on them palm branches. They were adorned with a symbol of what it meant to be part of the Jewish state. Palm branches were as much a symbol of nationhood as our flags are today. So because of this symbolism, they clearly weren't just waving Jesus in as a respected teacher, as a rabbi, as they were called. They were waving him in as a conquering hero. They wanted Jesus to free them from Roman rule and overthrow the government of the day. But they did not understand that Jesus came to free them from so much more than just that. Their cry of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is from Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26. Hosanna literally means give salvation now. And the crowd's next cry shows exactly the sort of salvation that they thought Jesus was bringing. Blessed is the King of Israel. Military salvation. Salvation from Roman rule. But in one move, Jesus demilitarizes his purpose and declares the grace-filled nature of his kingship. He rides in on a donkey. John quotes from Zechariah 9 verse 9 when he says, As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Zechariah continues this section of prophecy by saying, See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus was their king, and as he had shown with the raising of his friend Lazarus from the dead, recorded in John chapter 11, just before the passage we've read together, Jesus is king over all things, and he is victorious over death. A truth that was reinforced and brought to life with Easter just a week later. As Tim said last week, death 
was not abolished, but it was completely transformed by what Jesus did for us. Jesus deliberately fulfilled Zechariah's prophecy and rode into Jerusalem as the servant king. This event is one of the few uh, parts of Jesus' life that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And in the other accounts, we see in clear detail that Jesus didn't accidentally stumble across a donkey. It was a deliberate plan that had real significance. Today, I can think of two occasions in more normal times when we gather to wave and to welcome. The first is for our leaders, best represented by the crowds of people that line the streets for the arrival of the royal family or for the American president. The second is the more intimate celebration of a wedding ceremony, where everyone is gathered to cheer and to rejoice in the bride and the groom. The Bible often uses wedding imagery to describe Christ's relationship with the church. We are his bride. And I think it is in a unique blend of the moods of these two occasions that Jesus entered Jerusalem. He came to love us more sacrificially than we can possibly imagine. And to be the king of Israel, to lead people to God, just not quite in the way that some of the people in that crowd imagined it to be. For those with Jesus, John makes it clear that they didn't realise the full extent of his actions until after Jesus was glorified, until after the cross, those few days later. I think we often take the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled for granted. For me, I just don't think I know them well enough to really understand the weight that so many of them hold. But can you imagine being one of the disciples who, when Jesus was risen, realising what all these things meant, realising the significance of that donkey? It wasn't just a stunt. It had really deep meaning. We have the benefit of hindsight to look back and see more clearly how all of these pieces fit together. Let us not neglect that as we think about what Jesus has done. Only a week separates Jesus riding into Jerusalem, often called the triumphal entry, and the cross. The crowds who were calling him king as he rode into the city were baying for his execution just a week later. What a turnaround. In this season, when we have a bit more time on our hands, I'd love to just ask where in the crowds we each see ourselves. Are we like those who have seen Jesus raise Lazarus, who are following him down the path, who are pressing into him, and as the passage says, are eager to tell others what we have seen? Are we like those who are in the crowd, who are waiting to see what he will do and to try and evaluate, can what we've heard possibly be true? Are we like those a bit closer to the gates who are there because everybody else is, but we're just not sure it can be real? We're a bit reluctant. Or are we just there thinking, what is all this fuss about? Who are all of these people? Wherever you see yourself, in that crowd. I'd really invite you to spend some time this week uh, thinking about what it would look like for you to take, take one step closer to Jesus, whatever that is, whether that's pressing into him, into his word, 
whether that's simply having a conversation with a friend about what it all might mean. And one other thing I'd love you to join me in this week is, uh, as we do have a bit more time, I'm going to be spending some time each day looking at one of the I am sayings that we've studied as a church this term. In the light of Easter next week, what might those mean for us and how can we better understand them? Thank you very much for tuning in today and I'll just say a prayer to close. Father, in this bizarre time when we cannot meet as a body of you, thank you that we can still meet virtually and we can enjoy fellowship together over Zoom and over other means of electronic communication. Father, I pray for each and every one of the members of St. Deeds, that you would be with them in this time and you might be showing them what it looks like to hold on to a God who is constant in the trial and the change. And Lord, I pray that uh, as this week continues and as we get nearer to remembering the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that you would really bless us and help us understand what it means to love you in this time. And Lord, for the vulnerable people amongst us and those that we know as well, I pray that you'd help us to serve them well, to love them well, and to just honour them in any way that we can. Amen.